can't believe they wanna see me lose that bad They talking junk and they stink these hoes mad trash I'm giggling, can let the devil have the last laugh Ain't no more beefing, I'm just keeping to myself I'm my own competition, I'm competing with myself I told y'all, I'm living my best life I told y'all, I'm living my best life I made a couple L's with my best friends Turn on my L's in the lessons this is Real Talk with Ben Tompkins. Cardi B always knows just what to say. How's everybody doing? This is Real Talk. I am Ben Tompkins. We are presented by Nobody Currently, but these are the mixtape days. And if you're looking for a place to get your hair cut and you're looking for a deal, Go down to 4th Street and go step into a little place called Fades on 4th where my man Tyler Pope is going to get you right. He's the godfather of the fade. That's what I'm calling him. And you can book and schedule with him on an app called Booksy. And uh, if you go down there and maybe you don't book on Booksy, but you just call in or you stop by and you say, hey, uh, Benny T said to mention his name. He's going to give you the Supreme Service, which is valued at 60 bucks. He's going to give it to you for 35 So go down there and support a local business. And go see my man Tyler Pope and get your head game right. All right, here we go. Uber Stories Part 26. Stories on this week's episode include Where I Belong. This is a story about a young man who hops in the car and he's headed home from his first day of work at a new job. And he begins sharing his story of growing up from the age of five without parents as a self-proclaimed gypsy to finding a sense of belonging for the very first time in his life. This one's a good story. We're going to start things off with a little feel-good, and then we'll move into some more savage stuff. And then, of course, we'll end our fifth story. We always do five. We'll end on a good note and get out of here. The next story, Applebee's 2? Listen, in 26 episodes... People have said some funny shit to me in my car, but this has got to be one of the funniest things that I've ever heard doing this. And I didn't even hear it firsthand. A couple gets into the car and shares a story of something that they overheard standing in line at an Applebee's that is outrageously funny. The next story today is Fruit Ninja. This is a story about a couple of ICU nurses that get in the car and they each share the craziest thing they've ever seen on the job. Parents, you might cringe a little bit on this one, Hell, I'm cringing even thinking about it, and I don't even have kids. I'm cringing for your kids, okay? Hopefully, they're nothing like these kids who wound up in the intensive care unit after their attempt at playing Fruit Ninja in real life went terribly, terribly wrong. (laughs) Pretty Woman is our next story. This is a sex worker tell-all. Have you ever wondered what it's like to be a sex worker in Louisville, Kentucky? Maybe you haven't. But now that I mention it, you're kind of curious. Don't lie. Don't lie. How much do they make? How do they get their clients? How do they get into it? How do pimps work? All of those questions answered, plus some big picture thoughts as it relates to consent and misperceptions about the sex worker industry. And then, finally, our last story of the day. We always like to get out of here on a good note, so that's how we're going to end today. This one's called Your Damn Self. A young father lands two jobs in one day only to have his girl tell him that he can't use her car to get to his new job even though she's on maternity leave for two months and prescribed a bed rest since she just gave birth to their second child. He thought she'd be happy for him, 
just like he thought his parents would be happy for him, who'd been worrying about him since he was let go from his last job, but despite locking down literally two jobs in a day, neither seemed too impressed. So we end today's episode with a story that serves as a reminder of why we do things in the first place and why when we depend on others for our own personal happiness, it leads to bitter disappointment. That kind of sounds like it's a sad one, but it really is a feel-good one, I promise. He also survived a random shooting attack and took a bullet to the arm, so my man is feeling pretty good, all right? But we'll get there, and we'll end on a high note, as always. A couple of quick reminders before we jump into this week's stories. I am debuting a brand new segment this week. It's called The Doctor Is In. I am taking this life advice idea from Ryan Rossillo and... I just thought, you know what, this is what I do. This is like what I do literally all day long with people. And if people who listen to the show that might not have the opportunity to get in the car and ride with me want to ask something or send me something and get some advice on whatever it is that you're dealing with or even just something that you want to be celebrated and you want people to be like, yeah, good job, man, or chick, you know, whoever you are. Well, send it to me, bennytomp18 at gmail.com. That's my personal email. And I will keep it anonymous, just like all of the stories on this podcast are anonymous. And I will give you some life advice. Now, here is the name of the segment, The Doctor Is In. And if you know me at all, you know that I am absolutely infatuated with the peanuts. I am like OCD, weird, like... um, you know, like your grandma has those China doll collections or you see people that like have these massive collections of something really weird and random. That's like me. Like some people do gnomes, you know, like that's a really, really weird one. Mine's not that weird. It's just the peanuts. Like I love the peanuts. Charlie Brown, Snoopy. Snoopy's my guy, man. Snoopy's my guy. And I love that there's this dichotomy between Snoopy, who's like this, like basically Snoopy is manic me, okay? He's just always marching along to the beat of his own drum. He's like Joe Cool. He is a, a general. He's he's like all these different things. And then Charlie Brown is like the depressed version of me. And Charlie Brown is like the mopiest little bitch that I've ever met in my life. And But he's hilarious. And he always goes to see Lucy, who charges him a nickel. And she stands there with her little psychiatrist stand out on the street. And it always says on the bottom, the doctor is in. And I got this little clip and that we'll start playing now when we do this segment. And we got some good sound for it. And I'm really excited about it. So... Like many listener-dependent segments, this segment is going to depend totally on you, the listener. And if you want to send me your stuff, like it could be anything, you know? It could be anything. Send me something. And you'll get a good feel for uh, the segment after today because I already have a submission. And uh, listen, here's the only thing I'm going to say is please... Serious submissions only, okay? Serious inquiries. I had some dipshit send me something that was obviously a fake. And what's pathetic is this person set up a fake email just to send me some bullshit thing. And it was like, okay, first of all, you're just insulting me that you would think that I would think that this is real, okay? Like, I'm not that dumb. I'm not as dumb as you. And secondly, what a pathetic and shitty life you must have to go that out of your way to create a fake email account just to send me something to fuck with me. Wow. Like, 
<laughs> I am so flattered that you go that far out of your way to think about me that much during your day. Like that is really a badge of honor, I think. And that's how I'm going to take it. So fuck you. And uh, I'm not going to read your thing. But if you have legitimate life advice that you want, send me your submission, okay? Email me, and we'll get it read, and we'll get it taken care of. Also, there are playlists that you should be downloading that are available on Apple Music and Spotify, and it is all of the music that I play when I'm with my riders. So if you've ever wondered what the vibe is like from ride to ride, um, and when I reference these things like, hey, I was in the car, it was Sunday, I'm playing the Sunday service playlist, or I'm playing the Uber Bangers playlist, or Another Day in the Trenches, like... These are all a collection of playlists that I put together and that are available on Apple Music and Spotify for you to be downloaded immediately. And I think you should because they're very good and I work very hard on them. So I'd really appreciate it if you download those, check them out. If you're a music fan, there's plenty up there for you. And uh, send me a little screenshot and be like, hey, you know what? This is pretty good. This is pretty good. Also... Something else that you can do that would really, really help the show would be to leave a rating and a review on the show's page on Apple Podcasts. Now, unfortunately, Spotify doesn't have a way to rate podcasts. Once, just, just once again proving why Spotify is the inferior of the two versus Apple and Spotify. Anyways, I digress, okay? Apple Podcasts, however, does let you rate and review your favorite podcasts, and that helps me out immensely. So, if you would be so kind as to take two seconds, it literally takes two seconds of your time to go, and it could be an interview that we've done, it could be a story, it could be a topic, it could be, hey, I love the show, uh, hey, I hate you, like anything, you know, that's good, that's that's really good stuff, and uh, I would really appreciate it, so please help me out, and please help this show grow. Finally, last thing right before we get to these stories, you know, what was funny is I'm kind of looking at the last year in review, and as I sit here today, it's almost been a very it's almost been an entire year since I made one of the greatest decisions of my life leaving my former employer. And this is right around the time that the quarantine was really about to start and I can remember driving to the radio station and for about a week, about a week, week and a half, most places had already shut down, but because of how few people actually worked at this station. It was basically just me in a room with a separate room for the producer who lived in the back at the station. Really, really weird. Um, I was able to go and tape a bunch of interviews and get some content built up for what I presumed was about to be a very long quarantine. And this is about the time that I'm thinking about ways that I can start building my own studio and my condo, which I now have, and it's way better than what I was working with, and I have all this equipment, and it's awesome, it's amazing, but I, I just remember driving downtown and across the bridge, and there being no cars on the road, and I can remember feeling like, this is weird, this feels like Day After Tomorrow, or Cloverfield, or I Am Legend, like I'm literally driving on Gene Snyder thinking, this is I am legend. I am I am legend. This is fucking nuts, man. I've never seen 
71 like this. I've never seen these highways like this. Like, this is absolutely insane. And at the time, it was like, what is going to happen? And then 10 weeks, 12 weeks, however long the quarantine lasted, um, it was just a weird time. And I remember doing these workouts in the garage, and I didn't have any kind of equipment at home, so I was literally just doing bodyweight stuff and beginning what I thought was about to be the beginning of my weight loss journey. And I I remember I had a shower curtain and I literally was, I, I swept out the garage floor and laid down a shower curtain. And that's where I would do sit-ups and push-ups and burpees and, and that kind of stuff. And of course it was, I, I think it was much colder a year ago here in Louisville because I can remember being like freezing cold all throughout the month of March. And we've had actually some days that have been up in the 60s. And I think even one in the 70s last week that felt really good. And it was just a weird time. It was just a really weird time. And as I sit here and reflect on the last year and how this year has gone, and, you know, I can't help but take joy in watching the seasons unfold for the basketball teams the way that they did. UK having historically one of the worst seasons ever, 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 ever. And thinking about, wow, that must really suck for the UK shows around town. And then watching U of L, um, it, it, not even that they they were that sucky or that bad. It's just they didn't really get to play and prove that they were good or bad. Because they hardly ever played. I mean, they had so many issues with COVID, whether it was them or the team that they were playing. And then to get all the way to the end of the season and miss the tournament and watch the reaction around the city from the fans and both sides of UK and U of L go back and forth with one another and and try to say who's got it worse and who sucks more and blah, 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 blah. And I'm just watching these two losers. And I'm just thinking, thank God that the last year worked out the way that it did. Thank God. (laughs) I could not be more pleased with myself sitting here and sitting here the other day watching the Selection Sunday show. And and you know what? I'm not even going to lie. I didn't even watch it. I I honestly didn't even watch it. I I found out like many other people found out just on Twitter. It was just like something like, like, dude, I literally watched two basketball games this year, UK and UofL. And I watched like the first Duke and UNC game. And that was it. Like I maybe caught a few minutes here or there. But uh, I I did not watch, and it was amazing, and 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 that's really how I kind of consume college basketball. Like, besides being at UK and watching UK play with my friends, and it was more of a social thing rather than me being super locked in and really going for the X's and the O's and knowing all all that was going on. Like, you know, I I, I just. This, this, I just, I just, I just can't say it enough. I cannot be more pleased thinking about some of, uh, let's be honest, some of the people that really don't like me, uh, that either turned their back on me or, uh, rejected me. Thinking about those people and, and the year that they've had in the last year, I mean, I, I, I gotta tell you, I love it. I fucking love it. So you guys have fun with that. And, uh, I'm gonna keep having fun with this now. We are going to get to these stories. Let's get it. Where I belong. 
We're going to start things off with a feel-good story today. This is a really important one and a powerful one, and we're going to call this writer Alex. I was lucky in that I was picking Alex up from his first day of work on a new job. That's pretty cool, right? I mean, you know, I, I like to do this, but I feel like, I've said this before, sometimes when I pick somebody up, I feel like a parent who's waiting for their kid at the end of school, and it's like, hey, honey, how was your day, you know? Uh, not that I would ever call a writer honey, but when I pick people up and they tell me, like, hey, this was my first day of work, I'm, I feel like a proud parent. I'm like, oh, tell me all about it. Were the other kids nice to you? <laughs> like, what did you have for lunch? Did anybody pick on you, you know? like, And so uh, Alex gets in the car, and he tells me that this was the very first day that he's starting this new job and I'm like oh that's really cool I mean you know I, I you never know with these people you know like I might be the only person that he sees that day that actually asks him so how was your first day of work so I'm mindful of that kind of stuff and that's what I love about what I'm doing is that I get to be that proud parent for everybody around the city and I just throw these touchdown passes hoping that somebody's going to catch him so Alex gets in and he says hey it went pretty well and uh, he said before he started this new job he was working as a correctional officer at a prison until he said he was fired for being too nice to the inmates. Well, <laughs> relatively nice, right? He told me that he was only there for about a month and the other COs were worried that his refusal to be a dick to the other inmates was perceived as a sign of weakness and that in that month he displayed a softness and a vulnerability that could easily be preyed upon by the inmates. Why are you being so friendly to somebody who's in here for being so mean? Someone once asked him. He said, listen, I don't respect these people considering what they've done to wind up here, but I'm still going to be nice because there's no point in being mean. I don't get paid to be mean. I get paid for making sure that everything is okay. Then he asked me, would you do something violent to me if I was consistently being a dick to you? Or would you do something violent to me if I was being nice? I think you're probably going to do, do the first, right? And I think that's really a great topic of debate as it pertains to the situation. So I'll tell you what I told him. Yeah, I mean, it just depends. Like, I could argue it from both ways. Normal people, I'm going to treat them the second way. If you're being nice to me and you're not on your bullshit, then I don't have any reason to come at you. And I, and I think it's like the golden rule. And I think that's how most people are. But in this case, you have people who act unpredictable. You have people who are evil. Like, I'm sure there's some people in there that maybe have been reformed and it's been successful for them or they would do their life differently. And there probably is that handful of people in the prison, right? But then there's also a majority of those people who were just plain fucking evil, like rotten to the core. So yeah, it's tough. I probably wouldn't grant any favors, but I wouldn't walk around mistreating people or going out of my way to be mean to somebody. I think I'd keep a healthy distance. Just because they could think that they're gaming you and that they're pulling you in, and as soon as they think they've got you, then they pull some shit, and it's like, eh, I don't know. So I don't know. That's a difficult one. But yeah, I wouldn't go out of my way to be mean or physical with anybody. But I would keep in mind that they're there for a reason, and that reason is to be stripped of privileges. And if they're being friendly to you, there's probably an ulterior motive. And just so we're clear here, um, these inmates that were on his block, they were considered the second worst in the entire prison. 
These were murderers, robbers, and rapists, he told me. So I don't know what you have to do to be considered the worst if these types of people, the rapists and the murderers and the robbers, are considered the second worst. And I don't think I want to know. But keep in mind, this is the type of inmate that we're talking about, okay? But think about it. Like, this guy does have a point. Who would someone be more likely to revolt against and shank, given the opportunity, the guy that treated him like a human being or the guy that constantly fucked with them? That's one of those debates that gets at the heart of some big life themes. Morality, the golden rule, treating others the way that you want to be treated. Should inmates be recognized and treated as human beings once convicted of heinous crimes? Or does their evil behaviors justify anything that's done to them? That's some really good stuff there. And just like prisoners of war have protections, right? So if we capture somebody, even though they're an enemy of the state or the country or whatever, they still have rights protected to them through, I think, the Geneva Convention. Don't, don't, don't quote me on that. I'm not a history professor, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. And... People have rights, even even prisoners, right? Now, I'm not saying treat these people nice and and that uh, the families of, of the people who they committed crimes against probably would be like, no, absolutely give that person the chair. And you know what? I stand by that. I absolutely believe in capital punishment and the death penalty. And I think it's bullshit that people have to wait 15 and 20 years just to see the person that did something really bad to their family or somebody that they loved and knew have to suffer the the, the rightful consequences of that. I, I think if, if you're convicted guilty and the death penalty is up for grabs and the prosecution successfully proves that you did it and that you deserve to die for it, I think it should happen almost instantly. Like, pending an appeal, you get one appeal. And if that thing fails, then you're fucked. And rightfully so. I, I mean, I, I think that's... I think that's right, but um, weigh in on that if you'd like. BennyTomp18 at gmail.com. Title the subject line, Where I Belong, and tell me your thoughts on that debate, because I'm curious to know, would you give these people the really, really tough time, and would you would you fuck with them, you know? Because <laughs> there are like historical instances of this happening. Google Abu Ghraib, and... Look at what happens when one little thing turns into a systemic culture of prisoner torture and abuse. The pictures from that, even though these are terrorists, and even though some really fucked up shit went down at Guantanamo Bay, I mean, still, like, I don't know what, you know... It gets it gets to this question of what's worse, like the initial crime that places the person in prison or... I mean, it is a prisoner coming around and hitting somebody with their stick or starving people or the tactics that they use in Abu Ghraib. And I'm not sure what it was like in this prison and how bad some of these other people were, but it sounded like they were pretty fucking rough on these prisoners and these inmates. So I don't know. You tell me. Would you be nice to these people? BennyTomp18 at gmail.com. Okay, back to the story. That was like the first half of the ride, our discussion of those things and and our debate of those things. But the second half of the ride is why I wanted to write this one up. So somehow the podcast comes up and he said, I mean, listen, I've got a pretty exotic life if you want to hear about it. I said, yeah, give it to me. 
All right. Well, both my parents are dead. I was born and raised in foster care. I started out when I was five, and then me and my siblings all moved around separately or together. It just depended, but it was about 32 or 33 houses that we moved around in until I turned 12. Imagine, I, I, I mean, wow. Okay, 32 or 33 houses until I turned 12 years old, and then by that time, we got adopted. And then two years later after that, they got a divorce. So we were moving around again, back and forth. I mean, life was hard, man. It's not comfortable for an adopted kid to get back into life. Like, I'm 22, man, and it sucks saying this, but I have no aspect of being unencumbered. I'm trying to work day to day. I'm trying to do this or that. I don't even have a car. I'm 22. I should have my own place, own car. Like, most of my friends are married. They've got babies. I said, I'm, I'm listening to this, and I'm like, okay, okay, okay. You're 22 years old. Slow down a little bit, okay? Just because you don't have it all figured out right now at 22, I mean, how many of us do, first of all? I ask him, are they all military? All these people who he's talking about that have, you know, babies that are married? Because most of the time, somebody that does it that young, they're usually in the military. And I asked him, he said, some of them, yeah. And I was like, dude... Don't feel rushed, okay? Don't feel rushed, dude. And he said, well, it's not that. It's just the point of feeling accomplished. Like, I want to be better than all of my siblings, that kind of stuff. That's just how I feel about that aspect. Like, my sister, she lives in Hawaii with her husband. And yeah, he's in the Marines, but she also dedicates her life to helping out as well. And she's 23, and I'm happy for her, but she's not happy for me because she knows the way of life that I'm in which sucks, because I don't want her to stress about it. And we all have different kinds of ways of, uh... Okay, so my brother, he's bipolar manic. You say something wrong, or you say something in a funny way, it sets him off, no matter what. My sister, she has really bad anxiety issues. You tell her something small, she's going to be worried, and it's going to really balloon. I have a twin sister... And by the way, we're all gypsies. We all live the gypsy life. <laughs> I said, yeah, how old were you when your parents died? Well, my dad, I know he died when I was three. And I've heard my mom also died when I was three. Still could be alive. Not really sure. Um, we, we assume that she's dead. And, I mean, it sucks being alone and not have any family. But, you know, what am I going to do? I said, hey man, half my family's dead to me too, so join the club. He said, yeah, but you know what? I just found this wonderful girl, and we game together. We listen to music all the time. We watch movies all the time, and I love her family. And like, we've been together for almost two months. And I know this sounds crazy, man, so don't judge me, okay? But I told her that I loved her. I said, oh, so what? Because I just felt that place of belonging I've never felt before. For the first time in my life, I felt like I belonged somewhere. And her mom, her sister, her brother, I always hang out with them, and they're just so cool. And I feel really comfortable when I'm over there. That's amazing. You're going to make me fucking cry, man. God damn, what a beautiful statement. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Think about that. I finally have found that belonging. Yeah, dude. That's everything, I told him. And every place, every home, 
every establishment I've ever been in, I've never felt that, not even a little bit. The second time I ever went over there, her mom cooked me this big dinner, and what caught me the most was, is her mom, she loves her mom. Her and her mom are like two fucking peas in a pod, man. So I wanted to get her mom's blessing, and her mom put her hand on my shoulder and was like, I'm really happy you can make my daughter smile. I said, dude. <laughs> and he said, and that just that just caught me right there. And that just made me feel like I was doing something right. I, oh my God. I, I'm just like, that's that is I, I still can't get over that sentence. For the first time in my life, I felt like I finally belonged somewhere. Belonging is a feeling that I hope and wish for every one of you except the people that hate on me, okay? But everybody else, everybody else that that's that's truly a good person, okay? Belonging is a feeling that I hope and wish for you because at the heart of belonging is the word be. <laughs> what I believe to be the most powerful word in the human language is the word be. And there it is again in the word belief. Like, it's the root of that, okay? To belong is to be authentically you, it's to be imperfect. It's to be connected. And to truly belong somewhere is to be yourself and still find acceptance. To just be. That's a beautiful thing. It's a powerful thing, my friends. No matter how hard your life has been up to this point, no matter how distant or disconnected you felt or feel now, no matter what you're going through, if you can hang in there and you can find somewhere that you feel that sense of belonging, that can make all the difference in the world, my friend. And I'm manifesting these things into your life. So listen to that. Run it back. Share it with somebody that needs to hear it. Take those things. Accept them. Accept yourself. And just fucking be, baby. Just be. Applebee's too? (laughs) All right. This is a really quick one. But in 26 episodes of these Uber stories, this is maybe the funniest quote that I've ever heard. So we'll call this writer Dante. This story's not about Dante, but I'll get to that. I picked Dante up. He's with his girl. They were just finishing up dinner or picking up food from Applebee's where they, I guess they they had just eaten dinner. I don't think that they had food in the car with them, um, but they had just finished up dinner at Applebee's and they got in and they greeted me and then they were chit-chatting, you know, intermittently and the guy would kind of chuckle and say something, and he just kept doing that, and just based on what I was hearing him say, I was only getting like these little pieces of it, and I thought that it was him saying this stuff to her, and I was sitting there going, wow, this guy kind of sounds like a jerk, okay? Well, as we continue down the road, it becomes apparent that he's not saying these things to his girl as if they're his own words, right? He is repeating what someone else has said, and that's why he's chuckling. He's he's kind of like, it's an incredulous chuckle, almost as if to say, I can't believe what we just heard, right? So at some point, without giving away the punchline, I chime in and I say, hold up, what? And we all start laughing and the girl says, no, 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 no. These people standing in line behind us in Applebee's, I wish you could have seen them. I said, oh, I, yeah, I was like, what is, what's going on back here? And Dante's like, nah, man, nah. This dude was straight up in Applebee's with a truck stop hooker. Like, she was disgusting, bro. And he was bitching to her, and I swear, I was trying so hard not to laugh because this dude deadass goes, damn, woman, 
I already paid for the blowjob. Now I got to buy you Applebee's too? <laughs> and drop your back off? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah. Shit was crazy. What did she look like? Man, you know, white girl, names tattooed on her body, messy hair, smelled like smoke, bad makeup, all of that. What about him? Yeah, he was ugly, bro. Old? Nah, probably like 30s or 40s, but he wasn't anything, you know what I mean? Dude, that is the quote of the week. Yeah, he was mad, too. He was standing there bitching up a little storm that he had to buy her dinner and then take her home. He was like, we didn't agree on upon, we didn't agree upon all this. <laughs> I said, what did he expect walking in there with her? That he was just going to order and she would just stand there and wait for him and not get anything at all? Right, right. Like, he went and brought her there. What did you think was about to happen, bro? Bro, she was nasty, bro. Gas station hooker for sure. He said, I already paid for the blowjob. Now I got to buy you Applebee's too? <laughs> Man, got to love Dixie Highway. Fruit Ninja. Parents, hopefully your kids would never be this dumb, but this story might make you cringe a little bit, all right? Uh, I picked up this lesbian couple from Nowhere Bar, and I said, how was the bar? It was good. We were boarding you before, so we made a little charcuterie board and had a few cocktails. And uh, then we went here, and it was cool. I said, uh, I had somebody tell me that Nowhere Bar had ran into some trouble when a bouncer killed a guy. She said, yeah, yeah, we actually work at uh, L Hospital, and our coworker took care of the guy that that happened to. Oh, man. Yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah, that's a bummer. What do you do at the hospital? Oh, we're nurses. Oh, cool. I bet you have some good stories, huh? Yeah, yeah. We work in the trauma ICU unit, so we see everything. And her partner says all the crazy things in Louisville. I said, yeah, especially at L, like the most seriously fucked up people get sent there, right? Oh, yeah. The gunshots, the car wrecks. Wow, pretty crazy. Is that traumatic to work in and see that every day? Hell yeah. <laughs> we all laugh and one of the girls says, yeah, I've been doing it since 2015 and I had like a full mental breakdown my first year because of how mentally debilitating it was. How about you? How do you cope with it? I say to the other woman. It's all right, she says. <laughs> She's better at it than me by far. <laughs> all right. Well, what's uh, give me your craziest story. Well, there's always the guy that got run over by a train, and he got both of his arms cut off, so then they sewed his left arm onto his right side to try and make him a bigger nub for a prosthetic. Oh, God. Yeah, it's crazy. It ended up failing, but I said, it was worth a try, right? She said, yeah, right, right. Well, then her partner says, mine's a machete through the head. <laughs> she said, this guy... They were playing Fruit Ninja with real fruits and a machete. And he was like 16, and he had a machete through his head, like stuck in his head. And they couldn't take it out because he had to be in surgery because it was on an artery. So it was stopping an artery from bleeding. But he was like talking to us and everything. And he went down, and they removed it. 
and then he was incubated after, and it was just crazy. Wow. And he lived. Yeah, yeah. You'd be surprised at some of the crazy stuff, like what people go through. Like a lot of doctors and even us nurses are like, there's no way this person's going to survive this. And then they do. I mean, they have a lot of lifelong injuries that they have to deal with after that. But sure, I say, man, a machete to the head. That's pretty extreme. So for those of you who don't know what Fruit Ninja is, if you've never played the game, then you wouldn't have caught that reference. But Fruit Ninja is an app, and it's a game that you play on your phone where fruits like pineapples, watermelons, oranges, etc., are tossed up into the air on the screen. And then you have to use like a snap judgment and either swipe and cut them in half with a samurai sword to get points and if you swipe at a bomb, then they throw up, then then you die. So that's like kind of like you just see this thing, and if you swipe at it, just like, Doosh, then sometimes you get the bomb, and then you die. So you kind of got to have like patience and anticipate when the bomb's coming and what kind of fruits that you need to hit, and there's combos and like all these different ways to accrue points. But it, it was like a big game. I don't know if people play it anymore, but Fruit Ninja, okay? It's a thing. Whatever, right? So just imagine, please just 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 picture this. Parents, I know, you never want to leave your kids home alone after you hear the story, but this 16-year-old dude and his friends are chilling, right? All high schoolers. And somebody has the great idea to grab the machete, raid the fridge, and play real-life Fruit Ninja. So somebody's tossing up fruit, and another kid wielding a giant knife that's swinging it like a baseball bat. What could go wrong, right? I mean, what, like, what, 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 what could go wrong? This is just absolutely insane, okay? And the fact that these kids are like 16 and not 12 is even more alarming, but I digress. Now, I don't know if this kid let the machete go and it flew into the other kid's head, or this kid swung it and the other kid was standing too close or what, but it obviously went terribly wrong and the kid had a machete lodged into his freaking head, which couldn't be removed because had it been removed, the artery would have been exposed, and I can only assume that means like pulsating blood, squirting out, and that kid would have probably bled out and died right there. Real-life fruit ninja. Reason number 9,047, I am never having kids. Pretty woman. We'll call this writer Julia. I picked up Julia in the middle of the day, and I pulled up to the spot, and the name of the person that had called the Uber was a guy's name. So when a girl got in, you know, sometimes this happens. Somebody will call the Uber for somebody else, and I always just ask, hey, is it just you? Um, Which lets me know that we're waiting on somebody or that it is just them, and somebody else called them the ride, and here we go. So I'm like, is it just you? She said, yep. I'm like, cool. What do you got going on today? Um... Going to Kroger now, that's grocery shopping. And then other than that, I don't think I have anything else. Nice. Not working today? Do you work? Uh, I do work, but I'm done for the day. Nice. What do you do for work? I'm in customer service. Mm, what does that mean? I just left work, darling. <laughs> she says she gives me a laugh like that. And I'm kind of like... 
<laughs> okay, okay, I got you. I got you. I got. I got. I, I pick up what you're laying down. So, I said, uh, "Was your customer satisfied?" Always, she says. How long have you been doing that? Uh, not long. Maybe a year. How'd you get into it? Well, I got into it because I really had. I mean, I was homeless, and it was out of survival. And now I'm getting back up on my feet, and it won't be much longer till I'm done with it. Good, I said. Yeah, certainly not for forever. That was never the plan. I said, hey, get it how you live it, man. Sell what you got. Yeah, yeah. What led to you being homeless? Um, I used to have a good job, and then due to nepotism, I lost my job. They came up with some BS reason to let me go, and I was like, all right, well, what am I going to do? Like, I can't force you to keep me here. And then I found out a week later that one of the higher-ups gave my position to her goddaughter. Wow. Yeah. Damn. Yep. So, lost that, and then I got behind on my bills, and then COVID hit, so finding a job was just really fucking hard. And then I got evicted from my place, and it just sort of, <laughs> one thing after another just kept happening, and I just couldn't catch a break there for a while. And uh, I'm doing a bit better now. I've been offered a customer service position, and if it turns out it's legit, I'll be making even more money than I am now. Plus, it'll be a legit job. And I wanted to be like, so wait, are we talking real customer service now or but hey no one likes a wise ass so I just sat on that one but now you know now that we're talking I'm curious right the only real sex workers that I've ever talked to and and kind of like interviewed and kind of picked their brain a little bit was in Frankfurt Germany not Louisville Kentucky so now my mind is filling up with all kinds of questions so how do you find clients word of mouth like there's certain sites that you can post on, but you either have to pay for them or like the pictures or whatever you have to put up or really like, I don't want pictures like that of me on the internet. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, God forbid I ever do have kids and my grandkids find it like 50 years from now. No, thank you. Yeah, that shit stays around forever, I said. <laughs> I would know. She said, you can delete the ads, but it's still there because, you know, people have saved those to their computer and shared it with their friends and, oh yeah. I said, like Tinder and Bumble and stuff like that, do you use those apps too? She said, I use those on occasion, not normally though, because it's very easy to get reported and then they just kick you out of the app entirely. I said, who would snitch on that? Oh, I've been reported once or twice before, and then I was like, you know what, I'm just done with these apps. And then at that point, I had enough clients where I could get word of mouth going. But yeah, they get salty because they think that they're going to get it for free. Or like, just for, you know, because it's a big hookup site, not everyone there is looking for their husband or wife. It's primarily still a hookup site, and they think they can just, some guys will be like, Oh, well, no matter what, you're paying for it, whether it's dinner or drinks or, you know, but uh, mine's just more straightforward. I said, everybody thinks they deserve a freebie. She said, yeah, it's it's hilarious, though. Like, I'll get guys that want to, like, friends with benefits deal, and it's like, no, that's not what this is. 
I said, we're running a business here. She said, exactly. Or they want to just like hang out and it's okay, whatever, but I still get paid for my time. Whether we go to the bedroom or not, I'm still getting paid for my time. Sure, I said. And they're like, what? I said, I mean, look, companionship is a service. Yeah, absolutely, she said. And there's a huge misperception that if you pay for it, there's no other way you can get it. And that's just not true. I am just a simpler, more straightforward. I get a lot of young businessmen who are just too busy to figure out uh, a time to eat and breathe, let alone a relationship. So girls like me are just simpler. (laughs) I said, so what are your rates? She said, well, I start at $200 an hour. Is that pretty commensurate? That's high. Yeah, that's high. Okay, yeah. Like, what's the market here? How do you mean? I mean, has anybody ever come to you and said, oh my God, you're high or told you that you're low or like, I got charged this last week? Like, do you have any understanding of your competition and where they price out? A little bit, she said. However, I mean, like, every once in a while, I'll go on those sites that girls can post on. And first and foremost, a lot of them are really, hmm, how do I put this nicely? I said, you don't have to be nice. (laughs) She said, all right, ratchet. Yeah, I said. Like, they're probably $20 an hour, and they're worth $20 an hour, she said. And that sounds super mean, but based on looks alone, Look, they could be lovely people, but in this business, it's on looks. But also with word of mouth, the guy who's referring the new client to me will tell them, okay, this is what she starts at, but this is why. And they'll sing my praises about this or this or this. So usually by the time I meet with a new client, they already know the deal. There's no haggling. The price is the price. I said, so after a week, what are you typically bringing home? Well, it depends on the week. And I could definitely make more if I wanted to work more than I already am, but I clear five to six grand a month, easy. I mean, I could do 10 to 15 grand a month if I wanted to. And how much time are you spending with people? Like, how do you account for your time? Oh, it's just by the hour. Yeah, I don't charge for travel time. It's whenever I get to the residence or the hotel room or whatever, and I'll charge for the hour, but I'm never there for the hour. Pretty much as soon as it's done, right? Exactly. That's funny. I'm just curious. That's funny. I'm just curious, you know? No, you're good. Like, this is going to sound totally crass, but whatever. I was there where you just picked me up at. I was probably there for an hour, maybe a little more than an hour. 600 bucks. Damn. Yeah. Now, is that because he requested special stuff or that? And I was also warned that he's an MD and like, therefore, I mean, look at the house you just picked me up at, which is hilarious, by the way, because he literally lives four minutes from where I do and where I grew up. Anyways, we kept talking and it was a 25 minute ride. So we talked about a lot more things. Like we talked about the black market aspect of the sex worker industry, whether sex workers rights are appropriately protected, how regularly she gets tested every six weeks, she told me, and also social attitudes about sex workers, specifically crimes against sex workers. 
I point blank said, I hate that if a hooker gets beat or worse, it's like, oh, but she's a hooker. Like, that's really the prevailing societal sentiment. You know what I mean? And she said, yeah. Like, what did she think was going to happen? Yeah, I said. She deserved it, probably. That's what she gets. She said, "Mm mm-hmm. The worst is that you can't rape a sex worker. Right. Like, he just didn't pay you? That doesn't count. I said, consent. Whatever happened to consent, man? She said, no, but I think, in my experience... The two biggest problems with the sex worker industry and prostitution is pimps and stupid girls. Go on. <sighs> um, I've considered not a pimp, but like hiring security to drive me to these places. And like, I've met girls who are not here, but in like New York and in Vegas, really, really big cities. They hire like ex-military or retired cops and they'll get two adjoining rooms and she works in one and then he's in the other. And I've considered doing that, but Louisville is just not a big enough city. Like you get caught so easily. But no, I've just, I've never understood doing all of the work, but giving some jackass part of my money. (laughs) Like, no, like I would pay security a flat fee to watch my back, but he's not getting a cut of every customer I get. No way. Pimps promise protection to these young girls, but they don't do shit. They're often the ones that end up hurting the girls the most. I said, yeah, keeping them in line, right? Yeah, she said. Like, I know pimps, and they've offered me this, that, and the other for my own personal safety and blah, 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 and it takes everything I've got not to laugh right in their face. Like, most of the pimps that I know, their oldest girl is 22. Most of them are 18, 19 years old. I said, they're predators. They're predators. They take these young, insecure women, and they're mental manipulators. She said, yeah, so exactly. I don't deal with pimps. Uh, Pimps and stupid girls, the two biggest problems within the industry. Well, there you have it. I could have, listen, the thing is, I could have wrapped the story up after she was like, look at that house, you know? But I, I just thought, yeah, you know what? I'll keep this other stuff in here and touch on it simply because, you know what? If I got to step up and be the champion for sex worker rights, light my torch and let me lead the way. Listen, consent is really the main one that I want to drive home. Consent is everything, okay? And consenting to one activity doesn't mean consenting to other activities and doesn't even mean to consenting to that activity again. Past consent does not guarantee future consent. It doesn't work like that. And the other big part of consent is that it can be revoked at any time. Fellas, no means no. It doesn't matter if it's your girlfriend, a hooker, a girl that you just met at the bar, or your wife of 25 years. No means no. And promiscuity is not an invitation for sexual assault. Sex workers are people with rights And they have the right to enjoy the same basic and fundamental protections that you and I do, like not being abused and assaulted. Everybody good on that? Yeah? You good? Okay. Good deal. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Your damn self. This was my very last ride of the week. This capped off my 60th ride of the week. Okay? And... 12.36 a.m., technically Friday morning, 
This is the type of ride that I'm always hoping to get. When I can instill that belief in somebody that they are good enough and that they can rely on themselves, that they've got this shit no matter what it is, that's my why. And I think it's fitting that on a week where I absolutely went for it in terms of breaking my PR and chasing the fattest incentive that I've ever hit in my life, this was the ride that broke that threshold and that I ended my week on right here. Let's call this guy Jaden. Jaden hops in. It's late Thursday night, right? This is technically my 60th ride of the week, but if I count what I did on uh, the Sunday right before the week started, then it was my 66th. Pretty good, all right? Pretty pleased with myself after last week. And so Jaden gets in, and I said, what's up, man? You have a good day? No, not really. It all just crumbled, so I don't know. What happened? He said, I got these jobs yesterday, right? And I mean, I got them, but now I don't have a way to get to them. One's at this place called Job A, and the other is at this place called Job B. Job B is a work-from-home place, and Job A is a sales place where we go traveling and stuff and sell stuff for another company. And I start tomorrow with Job A, but I can't go because I don't have a way there, and you have to have a car. And I thought I would have had a car for my child's mother to be able to do that. We just had a kid. She can't drive or anything, but she insists on her keeping the car, so I'm shit out of luck. Whose car is it? He's. I said. Whose car is it? I said. I mean, it's hers. That's why I'm not mad. I understand it's your car, but you don't have anywhere to go. You're on bed rest, and you don't go back to work for two months. Why is she tripping like that? I don't know. And she act like it was the biggest decision of her life to say no. But the way she said no was, I don't want to tell you no, but I also don't want to tell you not to take the job. So I reversed it. I said, so in layman's terms, you want me to say, it's okay, baby. I won't take the job. And she said, yes. I said, I mean, if I were you, I'd play it like, look, how do you want me to provide for this kid if you won't let me get to my fucking job that I just got, you know? He said, literally, and this is a sales job where, like, on base, it's 400 if you make no sales. But they said nobody there ever makes zero sales. So on average, it's about 800 to 1500 a week being made by each employee. And that doesn't appeal to her. I said, does she have a good job? You know, wondering, like, okay, well, maybe she's just telling him not to go to work because she has this amazing job and they don't, they don't need money, right? So he says, yeah, I mean, she works the front desk at a hospital and she makes $17 an hour or whatever. I'm not mad, you know. I don't complain about her or her job. I know she's got a pretty decent job, but you're going to be on bed rest. You're going to be making very minimal using your paid time off and your maternity leave. So it's like once that runs out, if you're not clear to go back to work yet because she just got a C-section, and if she's not cleared income's going to dwindle. And if I'm unable to get work, then who's going to have the income? I said, right, right, right. I said, right, right. Where's that rent coming from? I said, exactly. So I said, especially with COVID too, I mean, 
it, it's it's hard to get a job just like it, it, it's hard enough to get a job you know and he said yeah yeah and the fact that i got two in the same day i said you should feel fucking amazing he said amazing like i swear to god i said yeah dude yeah and the fact that one's from home and the other one is basically from an office it's like that's a step forward and I just left job C. Like, I got fired from job C on February 14th with her right in front of me. I called them, and they fired me right in front of her and shit. And then we had the kid two weeks later on the 26th of February. And within a week, I get two jobs in the same... I get two jobs in the same day. And the next day, she's telling me I can't use her car, which is why I'm Ubering. <laughs> Which is why you're not Dietra, I said. Yep, she is definitely Dietra. I am Jaden, actually. My name's Jaden. What's up, Jaden? I'm Ben. Nice to meet you, Ben. Nice to meet you, too. Well, don't let that petty shit that she's on right now get to you. I mean, maybe she's just caught up in it because she is on bed rest and she's kind of out of it. He said, yeah, postpartum. Yeah, man. She's going through some emotional shit right now, you know, probably, but like... Don't let that take away from what an amazing accomplishment that is to get two jobs in a day, dude. Like, you should feel really good about that. And don't give your power to somebody else because when you let somebody else take your happiness from you like that, you're giving your power to them. You're giving them power over you when you have the power in this situation because you control how you feel and how you live and how you act, and how you be, you know what I mean, yeah man, for sure, and shit dude, two jobs in a day, that's something, she should be, anybody that loves and cares about you should be celebrating that, man, they should be ecstatic, he said, because that's awesome dude, thank you, thank you, I'm glad that somebody can at least see eye to eye with me on this playing field, I'm glad that somebody can, you know, like, cope. I said, that's why I do this. I mean, literally that's, he said, I honestly believe that too. I believe because like you seem like a person that would honestly like to listen to what somebody's not even just going through, but like say somebody want to share some good news. You seem like a good person to share news with, or even if it's like, Hey, I need some advice. You seem like you got some. (laughs) My man knows me. I said, I got it for you, man. I gas my people up every day. He said, I believe it. And he said, on a much lower scale, I kind of do the same thing. Like, me and you are similar, but different. And I only say that because, like, in the same sense that it feels good for you to make people feel good, I'm the same way. It's just, I do it in the sense that I am already loved. And that's what I told him in the interviews. Like, look, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I deserve to right now. I've overcome a lot. Like, like believe it or not, I probably don't even sound like I've been in this situation, but I literally just, in October, just got shot. For real? In my arm and everything. Damn. And I was working at Job D, lost my job at Job D, and within a month, I recovered myself, didn't even go to the hospital. What? And got back on my own feet, Started my job at Job C within that month, and by February, got fired because of the snow. Couldn't get to work, 
didn't have no Ubers running. I said, yeah, I didn't drive at all during the snow. And he said, and they didn't give a single fuck. And so when I called in on Sunday, Valentine's Day, to see if I should come in, because I wasn't going to go up there if they were just going to tell me to go home, they said, nah, unfortunately, we don't need you anymore. We can't depend on you and you being unreliable. So, And even though I fully went out of my way to try and make sure they knew I was having transportation issues and that I would even come in late, like job C is open till 2 a.m. in the morning, and I offered to come in late and work until 1 a.m. or 2 on the snow day, and they never hit me back. So then, two weeks later, I get hired by two jobs. And I definitely thought that she would be a lot more happy. But I completely understand where she's coming from with the whole postpartum thing and maybe being down in a slump. Like, I completely feel it. But where do you think I was? I didn't even think I was going to get my arm back and I was the most active person in the world. Yeah, what happened with the gunshot? Literally random. (laughs) You were like walking on the street or what? By a daycare. What? And this car just U-turned on us. And my two friends, they were like behind me. And I was like, yo, this car just U-turned. And one of my other friends, we said it at the same time, but I stopped. They kept going, so when the shots let off, they ran. And I just kind of stood and watched. And then I see this red beam, and I kind of flinched like, like I was about to get punched. But I got shot. How bad did it hurt? It hurt on impact but it didn't hurt enough for me to be like, ah, it was kind of like a, oh shit, oh damn, I got shot, all right, timeout, like, I was calling like, that's basically how it felt, like, I was like, timeout, y'all really got me, all right, this is for real, hit is really shooting guns, okay, you got me, joke's up, all right, calm down, and like, they still shooting, so I tried to get up, but my arm is broke, I tried to raise it up, it just collapsed, and then it started doing all this slinging shit, And yeah, five minutes later, my friend pulled up and she's like, what's going on? I'm like, I just got shot. And she said, what? I'm like, calm down, chill out. I'm okay. Just take me to the hospital. I said, damn. So were they just riding around shooting people or did they think that you were somebody else or what? I think they thought I was somebody else. That's what I believe because I don't have a beef with a single person, man. Like I got a daughter and I got a newborn son. I don't do anything. Dude, I said, yeah, I don't do anything. I was just trying to get my life together going to Job D. I ain't never worked a job like Job D. And I went there for the sole purpose of approval from, which I didn't need, but validation basically from my parents and my child's mother. And none of them gave a fuck. Typically, I work retail jobs or I go to the mall or I just do me. So when I go and do this job, you know, I'm looking for people to be like, okay, okay, he's trying, he's trying. Nah, I didn't get any of that. Which, I can't blame them, you know? Why should you expect somebody to praise you for doing what you should be doing? But considering that I hadn't been doing it, I just thought people would be a little bit more happy that I decided to go and do something out of my element and more so in the field of what they would like me to do. And me and my parents, we got in a big fight about it. And, you know, now we are where we are. They want me out. You know, I'm trying to get out. Found the perfect job and the opportunity to do so. 
and then I got this shit, you know? Like, it's funny how the circle works. Absolutely. Well, what did you learn from that? Stop relying on people. Bingo, I said. Yeah, stop relying on people. For your happiness, at least. And it's funny, too. Like, when I was doing it by myself, everything was going good. I got myself to interviews. Within a day, they called me back. Within the next day, I did my interviews. And then I need a car, and that's where I fucked up. If I had my own car, I'd be great. Even if it was just a shit bucket, I'd be good. Well, it'll come, dude. It'll come, I said. Yeah, I mean... Look, you can't rely on other people for your happiness because they're going to let you down every time. He said, every fucking time. Every time, I said. And you know, look at all the good things that you were doing and why were you doing them? You were doing them for yourself, you know? Like, yeah, it feels good to get recognition and get that pat on the back from your homies and from your family and from your girl and shit, but like ultimately, you're doing that shit for your damn self. And he said, and I definitely feel like when I was doing it for myself, shit was working out. Even just in the five days that I was doing it for myself, because that's all it was. It hadn't even been more than a week that I was doing it strictly for myself. Other than that, I was just kind of in a void, in a sense. Before then, I was doing everything for somebody else. So then after my kid was born and everything, which I said I would focus once my kid was born, once he came... I just kind of settled down while I was there. I I actually started doing applications at the hospital and let that train continue for the next two weeks, got myself to a good place, and I just need to, I don't know, I just need to figure some more things. I said, you just need to keep doing it. Yeah, that too. Yeah, that too. I said, just keep doing it. And if it's only been a couple weeks, just like, look where you got in a week. What are you going to do in a month? What are you going to do in a year when you keep letting the right decisions pile up? Keep manifesting that shit. I don't know who needs to hear that, but keep manifesting that shit. You'll be all right. Okay, new segment, The Doctor is In. Let's roll the tape. Sometimes I get so discouraged I can hardly stand it. The harder I try, the worse I get. Perhaps I should seek professional help. I think I need help. Hmm. Everything I do turns to failure. I guess you know I've never succeeded at anything in my whole life. Charlie Brown, it's true. I recognize your frailties, your weaknesses. You need me to point out your faults, Charlie Brown. It's for your own good. BennyTomp18 at gmail.com. Send me your stuff. The doctor is in. This one comes from Tina, who says, Hey, Ben, longtime listener here, and I really enjoy your take on things. I'm in my mid-20s, and I'm starting a new job soon. My first job that I really consider as a stepping stone in my career. Congratulations. Hey, hey, all right, here we go. I'm so excited, but I also really struggle with finding confidence in myself when I am new at something and feel like I might not be good enough. Don't we all? Do you have any advice on how to handle this kind of self-doubt or how to prove myself in a new position? 
Thanks, Ben. Keep doing what you're doing. All right, Tina. Thank you for listening to the show. Um, okay, a couple things here. So, mid-20s, okay. So, this is your first job, all right. That's a good thing, all right. We're excited about that. We're just kind of getting into the real world here and scratching the surface on what hopes to be a long and fruitful and successful career. So, congratulations on that. I can't say that enough. Um, I'm excited, but I also really struggle with finding confidence in myself when I'm new at something. Yeah, okay. I think that's all of us. I, I definitely, you know, sometimes even for me, um, sometimes it's bad enough for me that because I know that I'm not going to be good at something, I won't even want to do it. Like if it's like, I don't know, something something stupid. If it's something that I, I need to do, then I will do it because the only way to get better at it is by actually doing it. So you can't let the fear of not being great at it in the beginning keep you from doing it because there's no other way to get better at it than to suck initially and, and just kind of like work through it, right? But if it's something like, I don't know, like let's take playing ping pong for instance. I'm not that good at ping pong, okay? Compared to other people who are good, I'm not that good at ping pong. So if a bunch of people are standing around playing ping pong, I don't want to play because I'm like, dude, if I suck at it, then what's the point? I'd rather be really good at something than kind of be okay at something and and like I'm just not going to have fun doing it. So I'd, I'd rather not do it. And I struggle with that. But uh, I, I think, like like I said, that is the only way, the only way to get better about doing something is to actually just do it and just, just like take comfort in that. You know, I think one of the big things that people do, I do this, is the anxiety of not being great at something is worse than actually getting there and then seeing how it is. And oftentimes, we're even better than we think we're going to be because we never give ourselves enough credit. Like, when do we ever actually be like, you know what? You you, you probably aren't going to be that bad. Like, things aren't going to be that bad. Like, of course. Of course not. Like, we always in our mind are like, dude, this is going to be the worst. I'm going to be the worst. They're going to be like, why did we hire this person? Or what are they doing? Or what were we thinking? And you get there and, and you realize that the expectations of you being a beginner and starting at whatever you're starting, whether it's a new job or a new position at your uh, with your team or just anything, doing it for the first time, like the expectations of you just realize they realize that you're coming in at an entry level and you're going to be green and you hope that people there, the people that hired you and the people that hopefully you'll be able to kind of lean on as mentors, people who have been with the company for a while, um, you hope that they'll have the patience to take you under their wing and show you some stuff because we all need that. And there's not a single man or woman in their profession that can sit there and say, yep, I did it all on myself. I never leaned on anybody. I never had an older guy or girl show me anything or give me advice or like everybody has somebody that helped bring them along and anybody that's in a position that you would be looking at to maybe develop that kind of relationship with, they got there because they probably had some good mentors. 
And that's really important. And so most of those people will remember how they got there and and will remember the type of people that you're now looking at them as and they'll remember the impact that those people had on their their life and their career and they're probably a lot more accessible than you think they are. Like, I've never understood why people are standoffish and don't want to talk to like, like, like take for instance, um, you get in with a sales company and the GM is standing on the stage at the end of the year and they're giving their speech and talking about the, the, the top gun salesman of the year and the other sales reps are kind of like, chit-chatting amongst each other and everyone's kind of like oh could we address that person could we look them in the eye and ask them a question would they know my name and you build it up to be like you know what just be the person have the have the guts to be the person that just walks up and shakes that person's hand and it's like hey how you doing I'm blah 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 and introduce yourself and just talk to that person like they're just like one of the other sales reps because honestly that's what they want they want you to come up to them and be like, hey, how you doing? Like, your your position doesn't intimidate me. I know I have a lot of, to learn from you, and I'm certainly underneath you in a sense of like, I'm looking up to your kind of prestige or, or, or stature or whatever you want to call it, okay, within this company, but also... Um, I, I'm not going to stand over here and cower over what it would be like to talk to you. I'm just going to walk up and talk to you. That goes a long way. And people admire that kind of gusto and and uh, eagerness, you know, because that shows that you're dedicated. Like, you want to be there and you want to figure out how you can one day ascend with that company or in your career. So, I, And I, I never understood that. It's like... <laughs> You know, it's like the VP or the GM and people are like, oh, what? You, you talked to him? Or like, you asked her a question? Like, you sent her an email and asked her that? It's like, yeah, dude, it's a fucking person just like you and me, man. Like, you know, why Why put them like, like, obviously pay your respects to that person. Yeah, I'm not saying that you, you shouldn't and that you shouldn't look at them and, and acknowledge that they are higher up than you, right? But like... Don't put that person on a pedestal because at the end of the day, they're just a human being like you and me, right? They're just really good at their job and they've been doing it longer, but that doesn't mean that they're this superior human being to you and you can't look them in the eye, right? I mean, that just, but people, you know, people are sheep. People are sheep. People think that. So, um, I back to the email. She says, uh, I'm struggling to find confidence in myself when I'm new at something. Yeah, okay, cool. I think, uh, I think, we kind of address that. Um, do you have any advice on how to handle this kind of self-doubt and how to prove myself in a new position? Yeah, I honestly, I mean, here's the thing. When you're new, you know, it's it's tough to be the new guy or the girl. And I think perseverance and showing that, you know, you're applying yourself, that you're asking questions, that you're not scared to raise your hand at orientation even if you're going to get a dirty look or two, because there's always some fucking hater in that orientation that undoubtedly will look at the person that raises their hand and asks a question or makes a good point or tries to understand something better and stand out, okay? And there's always going to be a hater sitting in the back that's like, 
fucking try hard. And it's like, you know what? No, that's the reason that I'm going to be here in a year and you're probably going to be looking on Glassdoor for another company talking about, oh, they had it out for me from day one. No, it's because you sat in the back and you never raised your fucking hand, dude. So miss me with that bullshit, okay? That's the mentality that you got to have. So don't be scared to raise your hand. Don't be scared to be the first one to, to like when, when the person who's leading your orientation or whether it's a group and a classroom full of 50 to 100 people, or whether it's one person showing three of you new hires the first day on the job, don't be the first, don't don't be scared to take initiative because of what somebody else might think of you trying to be a tryhard. No, it's like, dude, you know what? I got this job, and now I want to prove why I want to keep this job. Now I'm trying to prove why I deserve to be here and why they made the right decision. Just because, Just because you get a job, and you're offered the job and you accept the job doesn't mean that you don't have to prove that you deserve to be there every single day. That's what your job is. Your job is to continue to prove why they made the right decision and why you deserve to be there and why you're more qualified to be there than other people. And if you're not more qualified to be there and they took a shot on you and you don't have a ton of experience and you're a young 20-something, then your obligation to them is to prove why they made the right decision in hiring you because you're going to be like, dude, I'm going to outwork every motherfucker that steps up to me, so fuck off. That's the type of energy that you need to bring in day one. The self-confidence stuff, the self-doubt, everybody deals with that. And I think what you need to remember is that's going to come with time. It's going to come with time. Just think about it like this. You got to this point. Whatever you did to get to this point, whatever internships you did, whatever networking you did, whatever relevant experience you cultivated has gotten you to this point. Okay? And that should be celebrated. Give yourself a pat on the back. Because like our boy in the previous story absolutely beautifully demonstrated, no one else is going to come and give you that pat on the back. And don't make it out to be a big thing, but give yourself a little pat on the back and then get right back onto the grind and say, okay, I'm here. What I've done to this point has gotten me here. Now it's time to continue to to go up. Like where do we go from here? Who do I want to be? And where do I want to go? Where am I trying to go? And... As time goes on and as you get up and you learn the job, you learn as quickly as you can and you're patient with yourself, it's going to be frustrating at first. (laughs) You're going to be frustrated that you don't know everything on day one and if you're anything like me, you'll absolutely, that'll piss you off that you're like, fuck man, why don't I know this stuff already, right? And you have these really, like you wouldn't have those expectations I wouldn't have those expectations and I wouldn't put those expectations on anybody else. But when it comes to myself, and I think a lot of people are like this, if you're anything like me, you're like this, when it comes to ourselves, we hold ourselves to a different standard and we're way more critical, way harsher on ourselves than other people, okay? Like, I will straight up tell somebody and give somebody a million chances and cheer for them from afar, but if I do what they did, I'll be like, God damn it, why do I, I hate you so much, and I'm just like, I'm really mean to myself. Okay, don't do that. Don't do that. Be patient with yourself, and just remind yourself that 
it's going to take some time to really feel comfortable. Here's something that somebody told me once when I was starting my very first, well, not my very first job, but I was starting a new position. And my boss told me, you know, it's really going to take about a year and a half to two years before you really feel comfortable doing your job. Like, when people start, it takes them a couple years to really feel like they understand what's going on. And to me, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I'm thinking I'm this hot shot. I'm one of the youngest guys in the company. And uh, I'm thinking like, man, okay, if it takes normal people two years, I'll have it in like, you know, eight months, 10 tops, right? And then I got like a year and a half into that thing and I still was like, dude, what the fuck is this? And what am I doing? And I have no clue and this is just a disaster, you know? And some days are going to feel like that. Some days are going to feel like you wake up and it doesn't matter if you've been there for a week, a month, a year. Some days you just wake up and you go, I have no clue. I, I don't know what I'm doing, you know? And here's a little secret to life. None of us do, okay? Act accordingly, right? <laughs> I mean, people tell you you fake it until you make it. You know, fake it till you become it. And becoming it just means being imperfect day after day until one day you're finally like, yeah, okay, now I do feel comfortable. I do feel like I got it. So just know that. Just know it'll take a little bit to feel comfortable. It'll take a little bit until you really feel like you hit a groove. But when you do, like that day is going to come. That day is going to come if you keep your head down and you keep persevering and you believe in yourself. And so don't don't go into it with, with doubting yourself, you know. It's normal. Act natural. Sure, right? But like just just believe in yourself and if you struggle with that from day one, just just know that over time, day after day, decision after decision, it's going to build up and eventually you'll feel like, okay, I don't have to worry about that anymore. I don't have to worry about am I good enough anymore. I don't have to worry about should I be here or um, you know, did they make the right decision because even if I have a bad day, I'm going to get up, I'm going to go home, okay, maybe eat some ice cream like your boy does, all right? And then I'm going to listen to my badass bitch playlist and I'm going to fucking be a rock star tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And I'm going to prove them right. And I'm going to prove some other people wrong and just let that drive you. All right. The doctor is in. Send me your stuff. BennyTomp18 at gmail.com. This is what I do for people that might not ever have the chance to ride with me in the car. uh, For my listeners, Uh, anybody that you know that's struggling with something, I would be absolutely thrilled to get to do this segment. And, and I love it. So email me your stuff, serious stuff only. And, uh, the doctor's in baby. All right. That was fun. That was fun. I, you know what? I love that segment. I'm, I'm really glad. And what do you guys think about that peanuts intro too? I'm telling you, dude, the Charlie Brown, (laughs) something about him, dude. He is the mopiest little bitch. I swear to God, but I love the guy. And uh, Snoopy, that's the other part of me. And, and then Lucy, you know, l- listen, Lucy's just sitting there making money off of Charlie Brown. But, you know, it's good stuff. I, I, I love the peanuts so much, so much. I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm literally surrounded by peanuts memorabilia wherever you walk in the condo and in the studio. I mean, it's just... He's everywhere. He's everywhere. So uh, it's still the only type of card 
that uh, my mom will buy me for any kind of a holiday or my birthday. And it's the only type of card that I will buy for other people. So if you're lucky enough to know me like that intimately enough where I'm sending you a card for your birthday or showing up to a party or something like that, it's going to be the Snoopy. It's going to be something peanuts. You already know, man. You already know. All right. Uh, Yeah, that's it for me. Next Wednesday, Uber Stories Part 27. (laughs) Make sure to check out those playlists wherever you listen to music. They're all up there. Apple Music, Spotify. Um, Send me your stuff. BennyTomp18 at gmail.com. The doctor is in. And also, if you made it this far, then that means you probably super duper fuck with me. And if you have not left me a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, please, listen, I don't ask for much, okay? I I feel like I'm a pretty selfless person doing a lot of this work. And uh, all I ask in return is that you just drop me a little rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And maybe you like the page on Facebook at Real Talk WBNT. Maybe just rate and review that as well. I mean, it takes less than a minute. For both of those things, 40 seconds. I timed it. I actually did. <laughs> All right, guys and girls, I'm out of here. I'll talk to you next week. I am Ben Tompkins. That's Real Talk. <laughs>